Welcome to the MacPFD Spark Podcast. This podcast is meant to inspire you to take the next step in your development journey as a faculty member. We're really excited to bring you all sorts of content, from inspiring you to teach or supervise differently, to leading and managing your team, to thinking about new creative ways or humanistic ways to actually do your work, and finally, to up your game in your scholarly practice. Are you excited yet? I certainly am. So sit back, listen, and enjoy this latest episode of the Mac PFD Spark podcast. In this episode, we listen to Alan Walsh and Wes Ochkowski talk about retirement. By sharing their experiences, they offer valuable insight on pursuing new endeavors beyond their careers. They discuss topics such as planning for retirement, the importance of a work-life balance, and the difficulties behind retiring. We hope you enjoy. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is a very special episode, I think. I mean, they're all special, but this is a very special episode because I think we're exploring a topic that may have entered a lot of people's minds, especially during the last couple of years of the pandemic. I think retirement has crept into our minds in ways that didn't as frequently come up for various reasons. Some people have been more burnt out. Others have just thought, this is a harder life that I signed up for originally. And still others probably always wanted to think about Freedom 55 or 65 or 75, but weren't even really sure how to do that. So I brought here two, I would call them experts on retirement <laughs> because they have lived experience. Um, and I'll have them introduce themselves. So my name's Alan Walsh and I'm a uh, Professor Emeritus, or Emerita, I'm never quite sure because I'm a woman, Mm -hmm. in the Department of Family Medicine. And I've been retired since um, October uh, 2018, so four years almost exactly. Except I think you took a brief I did, yes. Well, I did come back out of retirement um, uh, early in the pandemic um, just to help out at our clinic. Yeah, Michael Jordan style, you know, like just coming back (laughs) out of retirement. Yeah, yeah, that's just not the way I wanted to retire. Those people that just won't go away. But it seemed to me at the time I was feeling, sitting at home and feeling really guilty about what was happening out there. So it was, it was very short. Um, I, I just did it. Uh, it became clear that in fact, things were actually okay at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, of course, after you've been out of practice for a number of years, it's, it's pretty hard to do a good job when you go back. Yeah, fair. And, and I think that many people actually came out of the ranks to actually support mm-hmm. people during the pandemic. Lots of retired docs were doing, you know, vaccine shots and, mm-hmm. you know, um, doing all those kind of things. Uh, vaccine clinics, I mean, mm-hmm. and delivering shots and stuff. So I think you weren't the only person that, ke- no, you know, sure, rose for up. for sure not. For sure not. <laughs> all right. Well, that's you. And? Uh, my name's uh, Wes Echkowski. I'm a professor emeritus, a retired neurologist and division director of neurology I just retired. Uh, I'm still in the sort of vacation mode. And uh, I think literally last week finished my last academic activity, uh, last lecture that I presented at uh, Mearsom, the uh, McMaster International Review Course in Internal Medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the neat thing about that is that I got to present with my uh, son back to back, which was uh, wild. Yeah. All right. Well, the two of you are, um, for listeners, uh, married. Uh, some people might not know that if they don't know the two of you. And um, 
Dr. Walsh, you, you were uh, you were related to another Dr. Walsh. Yes. From the McMaster history. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. My father was uh, one of the five founding fathers, because of course they were all men in those <laughs> days. But he was one of the five founding fathers of uh, McMaster's Medical School. Fair enough. All right, and uh, and the legacy continues. Both. Uh, <laughs> I both... married. I married into royalty. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and, academic royalty. And and your son is uh, you know a contemporary of mine who's yeah. a critical care doc and. His his wife was uh, um, not a classmate. He she was one year above me in medical school. So, um, I think there's there's definitely healthcare in in yeah. runs deep in your family for sure. So I think for various reasons, then maybe that's why I think uh, I I mean I think the two of you have uh, tackled retirement in a very different way from some others, um, in, including my own father, who's a doctor that kind of had to be told to retire during the pandemic, although they had been weaning him down for a mm-hmm. little while, so he didn't have any withdrawal seizures from uh, right. Right. <laughs> acute, um, you know, acute uh, withdrawal of uh, all clinical work. But um, why do you think that retirement is something that so many people struggle with? Do, do you, the two yeah. of you, I mean, have undoubtedly seen people go through it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and I think medicine is particularly bad for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what happens is um, that the, the work of medicine, the work of physicianhood, and also academic activities as well, they be, they're so overwhelming. They take over your life. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens is your personhood your personal identity merges with your professional identity. And I think I, what I've seen and observed is a lot of physicians struggle to have um, a sense of self that's apart from their professional work. Um, the other thing, and I think there's this life cycle of, of how you relate uh, to, to, to this work. And early on in your career, it's really hard. It's so hard. Um, uh, you know, most sort of, early verging on mid-career physicians have huge urges to like, why am I doing this? I want to quit. This is so hard. Um, And then what happens? You get into mid-career and it sort of settles. Mm -hmm. By the time you're in your late career as a physician, it's so natural to you because, you know, you've lived almost all of your life Mm -hmm. as a physician that it's, um, and it it gets easy. Mm -hmm. It gets easy and it gets instinctive. And then the thought of giving it up I know when I started thinking about that, I had real panic feelings. Mm-hmm. I'd given up so much of the other things that I used to enjoy and invested so much to invest that much. And then I, I, I tell myself this, I'm throwing it all in the garbage can. That, you know, 40 mm-hmm. plus years of learning and growing, continuously developing skills and knowledge. And now I'm just going to stop and it's going to go in the garbage can. It's mm-hmm. a hard thing to get your head around. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think for sure, uh, it's um, definitely for most uh, physicians on the verge of retirement, the only thing they've done for the longest part of their lives. Um, now, mind you, within, within medicine, I had many sort of career, internal career kind of changes, but that whole idea of being a doctor and seeing patients and taking care of patients uh, uh, is the thing, the only thing I can remember doing, and I have to sort of think way back to medical school and undergraduate way back uh, that um, I did something different. And I really haven't had to make a large um, 
internal uh, it's more than more than a career change it's actually a life change mm. since probably getting into medical school mm. was the last time mm-hmm. even after medical school you had to make a decision about different residency training programs and there were changes that continued to happen mm-hmm. and then you finished all that and you were in practice plus or minus academic medicine and so forth but it's um, the only thing I can almost remember mm-hmm. for most of my life Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's sort of difficult to say, okay, what else, what am I going to do now that's, um, that's not medicine? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's maybe, that's what I sort of, sort of experienced, but, um, but I think I've, I've come to the other end and I am very much looking forward to doing something different, mm-hmm. like I used to do before I got into medicine. I used to do something different all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with my colleagues and friends saying, but aren't you going to miss it? Aren't you going to want to keep doing a little bit of medicine, this and that? And my answer is, no, I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. I want to, probably it's becoming a different person again, you know, with mm-hmm. different activities, different goals, mm-hmm. different investments of my time and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, it came sort of to light to me. So last, last week I finished that last uh, ever academic activity I prepared for that, had all kinds of things I wanted to do. It was going to be my last lecture ever. And it went very well. Mm-hmm. And I was part of a, a group uh, moderating uh, abstracts and things. And as I was sitting there, I could just feel the amount of cognitive energy and content that I had to continue to use to maintain my skill set to do that. And I thought, I don't have enough cognitive energy, nobody does, to continue to do that at a good level, at a high level, at an academic level, and be able to do something else. Mm. Like at a very good kind of level, mm. right? To be able to really invest your time in some other enjoyable um, activities. Mm. You know, I think that's a good a point. That's a really important point. And I think both Wes and I, felt like we didn't want to carry on when we were past our best by date. We wanted to <laughs> leave when people still wanted us to stay, when people were still surprised that we were leaving. Absolutely. We've yeah, it's it's too easy to hang on when people are kind of walking around behind you fixing your mistakes or thinking when, when are they going to go? And there's people lined up to take the jobs, the yeah. positions that you're holding. We didn't, we didn't want that. that. To me, that would be, that would just be such an awful way to end my career. I wanted to go when people were still, at least they seemed to be, a little surprised. Um, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. the, uh, the show that ends on Netflix before you thought they were gonna, or... Yeah, exactly. Uh, or, uh, like I said before, Michael Jordan, right? Like, leave it on a high note, right? Well, it's like jumping the shark, and I yeah, think if yeah. I've got the reference right, <laughs> it's, you know, the last stage desperation kind of, no, no, yeah. no. Wanted, we wanted to go out calmly yeah. and, and planfully as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it's, not, it's not unusual, and I, people ask me, you know, what, I mean, retired already, some of them older than me, and still not yet retired, but... Most physicians, so many times I would uh, talk to a physician about retirement and what I'm going to do and so forth, and, um, and that I wanted to leave on this sort of high note and have everything finished, everything organized, although you can't ever have completely everything finished, mm-hmm. but as best as you can, 
and planned and transition planning is all done and for yourself personally, plus for whatever else you're doing with your practice, your academics and so forth. And commonly they would say uh, about, oh yeah, they know physicians who are working beyond their best by date. Mm. That, they, oh yes, you know, that not, that they, they, they know, they know lots of people around them in their very different practices that should have probably um, quit earlier. Well, I think it's, it's, it's always been pretty clear to me that it's impossible to know when you've hit your best by date, personally. Mm-hmm. And if you realize you're at that point, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I, I made a 10-year plan towards retirement. Mm-hmm. And it was triggered, I think, first of all, by I, I had a sabbatical. I've had one sabbatical. And during that time, I realized that, um, you know, when I used to have complain like we all complain oh too much work you know all these nights all these weekends all day long run 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 Mm -hmm. and during my sabbatical where I mean I certainly had sabbatical activities but I realized I completely filled my day Mm -hmm. with things and I realized it's not the job Alan it's you you (laughs) you are work addicted Um, and I would always find more things to do and I would just just kind of do them better on my sabbatical because I had more time okay and then I realized, and it was a panicky feeling, I thought, but, what, but, you know, I think at the time I was 55, and I realized, I, but what about retirement? And I, it was this terrible feeling, and I suddenly realized, for all my complaining about how hard I had to work, the thought of not having that work filled me with horror and panic. And that's mm-hmm. when I realized, I better start planning, and I better start planning now. So I made a 10-year plan. Okay. I extended it by one year just so I could finish up one particular um, role that I'd taken on. And, uh, and being that plant, because in academic medicine, you, you kind of have to do that because you take on roles that are typically five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And I, um, Wes went out um, at, his, at his peak, you know, as the division director for neurology. Mm-hmm. I wound down the things that I was mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. Um, um, very, very deliberately. So we had two different approaches to that, but it had to be planful. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that really worked for me was following in Alan's footsteps. Mm. She made a 10-year plan. I made a five-year plan. And, and as I say to everybody who's sort of thinking about, you know, some point in retiring is that go to your calendar and you can go year by year by year. And you can definitely say that uh, 30 years isn't reasonable, 20 years isn't reasonable, get down under 20 years and it's 15, 10, 5, and you can probably take your finger and put it on a year that you say, well, I'm going to be so-and-so old at that point in time. This is how long I've already been in practice. This is what I'm working on now. This should be finished by then. I shouldn't be taking on anything new at this point in time. This is what needs to be done to, to leave a transition when I disappear. And you can probably put a date in the calendar. So I did put a date in the calendar and I worked towards that date because I could always see that I had to get this done. I couldn't take this on. I did change the date. I, I moved it up one year with the pandemic. Okay. It, uh, so many things changed internally um, from the uh, divisional perspective that it was a good thing to do that, it, uh, particularly because... Once the pandemic sort of calmed down, 
there would be so much work to do mm-hmm. to bring the division and the people back together to seeing each other, mm-hmm. developing new uh, divisional plans and goals and objectives. And I'm sort of thinking, whoa, well, that's going to be a three to five year plan. Mm-hmm. And I don't have three to five years of time or energy mm-hmm. to do that. What, what that needs, that change, is someone new with more energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I sort of work towards. And that, um, and I think it's worked. It actually did work. Sure. Um, and I think that being planful allows you to then signal to other people, to give them fair warning, to start thinking about, well, you're not going to be around forever. And I think that that allows the rest of the organization around you, at least in our context, to start to see a world beyond where you'd always be there to help them or lead them or, or, or be a resource. So I think that that's actually really important as well. Yeah. Right? It's kind of like having term limits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 No. We're firm, both of us, I think, firm believers in term limits are, and it doesn't really matter if the person's at the early stage of the career, the mid or late, I think, um, that, that renewal yeah. and that recruitment of, of people that are different than you, um, is, is just really important. Different, different um, people, different perspectives bring newer ideas and uh, it's so important in academia. For sure. All right, so let's flip this around. It sounds like both of you are very planful about the things that you were doing at work. Were there plans around things that you needed to pick up outside of work to replace some of that energy? energetic, you know, commitment that you both have shown throughout your career? Well, you know, I think the thing about um, academic medicine, um, you know, with that heavy uh, clinical component, it meets so many needs for you, right? There's the need to um, learn more, um, to grow skills, um, to feel like you're contributing, to do work with meaning. It's Engage with other people. Engage, yeah. This, uh, it's it's huge. So you have to replace that. What I did was I started in my notes on my uh, phone. I started writing down every time I thought of something that if um, when I retire, I want to do this. Mm. I had a huge long list. To be honest, I'm four years in. I haven't looked at the list. I'm on the first two things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I, 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 I'm going to search for it and see what some of these ideas were. Because yeah. when you get started in these things, it just expands. Okay. So, uh, you know, gardening has been a huge interest of mine. Mm-hmm. And um, always, but I hadn't, I, I just done my own reading um, around it and of course you know 30 years of gardening um, experiences and experiments well I took a horticulture course from Dalhousie over a couple of years mm-hmm. an online course so I grew my skills I joined a master gardeners group mm-hmm. I've learned tremendous amount um, from the people in that group mm-hmm. and I still get to do things like present <laughs> because you know there's a bit of a ham in me and I yeah. enjoy talking to people I enjoy um uh, sort of conceptualizing ideas to people in a way that they can use it. Yeah. I give advice at uh, gardening clinics, at farmers markets, nice. and things like that. So a lot of it reflects the same kind of activities I did. I'm just not. I'm just much less experienced yeah. than I was in my professional work. But that's one thing that's taken up a lot. And the other thing is that 
um, uh, our oldest grandchild is six and our youngest one is 10 months. So we've got six grandchildren that we spend a lot of time with and do and, and help with as well too. And that's incredibly, I'm, I'm re, I always felt badly that I wasn't there as much for my kids as I should have been. Um, and I, you know, a working mother kind of thing. It's the mm -hmm. guilt that all mothers tend to carry, I think. Well, I'm sort of correcting, I'm having a corrective emotional experience with mm -hmm. my get grandchildren, but it's sure a lot easier with grandchildren than <laughs> kids, but anyway. Yeah, fair enough. I think, I think my mom's going through all the same things. Yeah. 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 No, sure. absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I think, um, so given that I just retired literally uh, three months ago, mm -hmm. um, I'm still in what uh, has been labeled as the, holiday phase of mm -hmm. retirement. Yeah. So I'm sort of still on holiday. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, also started to thinking about lists of things to do. Uh, you know, I was a Canadian accordion champion before I went into medical school. So mm -hmm. I have this music background and so do my, my number of my kids. Um, so I, I really want to seriously get back into mm. music mm -hmm. and there's a guitar sitting up there, which I poked at yesterday, but the first time, <laughs> okay. uh, but, and I know uh, having this music background, I know that it's, it takes hours every day oh, yes. to get good at music, uh -huh. but, but it's that sort of uh, thing that I really, I want to be able to be at that point where, uh, you're, you're playing for a while and you don't know where the time's gone, that yes. flow idea yes. right yes so there's there's one big project that i still haven't started on my, on my list uh -huh. the other the other things are learning another language and being fluent enough to uh -huh. have street language okay so we went we went to uh, that review course and it was in poland by uh -huh. polish background and i'm fluent okay. in in polish okay reasonably fluent uh, and i i really want to be like that in italian for example we love mm. traveling to italy I, I want to get to the point where I can be comfortable on the street in Italian, like I am in Polish, mm -hmm. uh, not anywhere near like you are in English, but just mm -hmm. that type of thing. Yeah. And that, again, is going to take so much effort and energy. The, the, last, the last thing I want to do is um, my parents weren't a necessarily a really good example. My mother was a little bit better than my father. But a lot of what I saw with them and I don't want to do is be busy. Busy is, it's not focused, it's not challenging, it doesn't lead to a goal. Um, they sort of, they would, for example, move a, a, a TV cable through the house. It would be three day project, right, kind of thing. Where if you were working and, and, and otherwise didn't have time, it would be 30 minutes, this type of activity. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm not going to be busy. It's going to have to be that. No, make work stuff. It's not make work stuff, not yeah. busy stuff. It's okay. really challenging and so forth. Mm -hmm. And the, the other thing that I think is, is going to be important is um, now that I have time is to um, foster uh, my friendships that I have with outside of medical people. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, you know, if you want to start going out with people and doing things, you have to have non-medical friends uh -huh. because medical friends can never go out and do things. They're always either on call or they can't, last minute they don't go out. They're, or they're, it turns into rounds. Oh. Or it turns, <laughs> it turns into rounds. They want to talk about, uh, talk about other things. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so doing that. And there's, there's also, you know, um, I want to be better at cooking and really like uh -huh. seriously and again, um, understanding uh, wine. 
but again, at, at, a, at, a, at a completely different level. I mean, the kind of level where, where you have to spend hours at it, you have to get this, um, it's more than, more, like, more, like, more like a passion slash hobby as opposed to make work kind of stuff. So those are sort of just a few things on the list at the moment, plus the kids. So, so much, uh, we're so lucky because they're all around, they're nearby, mm -hmm. and we get to spend so much time with them and have so much fun with them. Mm -hmm. And which we couldn't do. I mean, I was worse than Alan in terms of having time with the kids. When the, I mean, there were times where I would be on call and my oldest uh, would be walking around the house looking for daddy because he wasn't around for two, three days. Two, three a, weeks. Wow. Two, three two, weeks three in the weeks. hospital. Two, three weeks. Two, three weeks. <laughs> home after he went to sleep and or on call and got out the door before he woke yeah. up, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, <laughs> they turned out perfect yeah, the kids yeah. and <laughs> they're in fact fine. they're they're pretty much all in healthcare because yeah well simon's a physician uh colin is a physiotherapist and he's doing academic work in the yeah. school of rehab science and our daughter's a social worker so yeah, yeah. you know so we're, we're very proud of our kids but i think we just wish i i hear myself saying to my children i can't right now mommy's busy and i've said that too many times mm -hmm. too many times so I never say to my grandchildren, I'm sorry, grandma's too busy. Oh, because no. she isn't too busy. <laughs> not not yeah. for that. You want to keep the business away so you can yeah. have time for the yeah. things that you no, want to have. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and you have to, and you had to when we were working. And again, we have, our brain is like an uh, electro, electric device and it only has a certain amount of ability to keep so much in your head. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you had to have all this other stuff that you were doing with, with patients and medicine and academics and research and all that. And at the same time, you have to make, you have to make space mm -hmm. for your own kids. And now that space can be so much bigger for your own grandkids. Which, and with that comes um, a different kind of enjoyment and peace with it mm -hmm. and um, satisfaction and but you know there's just, less responsibility yeah. because we're not raising them to be decent human beings that's their parents job but that's, <laughs> we could we could go on and on about parenting and grandparents yeah, I yeah. think the thing is the basis is that the needs that we had met mm -hmm. through our our professional work are now we still have those same needs but yes. they're being met through other activities. Yes. And yeah. Um, yeah, of course, I'm not as uh, good <laughs> at those things as I was after uh, 40 years of mm -hmm. clinical medicine and academia, but that's okay. I, you know, I've got, I have the great thing about being older is you don't have anything left to prove to yourself. Mm -hmm. Never mind not having to prove it to other people, but you've gone past having to prove it to yourself that you could do yeah. things and succeed. That's all gone. So yeah. now it's all about finding meaning, learning and growing and nurturing other people. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that you've brought the growth mindset through your entire career and beyond it, right? Because I think that um, that's actually, you know, I was just listening to a podcast, another podcast about this and the idea that there's this curiosity itch that some of us have, right? It's, it's the flood of dopamine that happens when you discover something new. Yeah. Um, and I think that most of us have that. And there's a reason why many of us in academia, um, across all the professions, probably want to scratch that itch constantly, right? It's why mm -hmm. probably people go as career scientists for a whole career. It's why people you know, go on to learn new things or mm -hmm. pivot into different mm -hmm. jobs, right? And so um, the fact that you're still scratching that itch through horticulture, 
Or grandparenting, or guitar, or, or I forgot you know, all to mention things. my sewing. Yeah. I used to sew. I got uh-huh. a sewing machine when I retired. Was in box for two years. Mm-hmm. So it's not. Don't worry about that guitar, Wes, because it took me two <laughs> years to pull the sewing machine out of the box. At which time I'd forgotten completely how I've been showing you. I had to use YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair enough. Yeah, but I think that that's the other part of it too, as you said, connections, right? So when you find an, the rest of the band that you're going to start up, and when you <laughs> oh, find, yeah, no, you know, absolutely. the, the that's Quilters that you're yeah. gonna join, I think that'll make it easier. Because yeah. I think that what you just said about the horticulture, you needed that community around yes. you, right, to make yeah. this real for you. And I think that trying to do it in a vacuum sounds like it's not as effective. Yeah, right. Well, so we've never of, worked yeah. our lives yeah. in it. You know, you know, That's we right. always were working in a group. It's yeah. always teams, teams, teams. You can't yeah. lose that sense yeah. of a team. Absolutely, I think, and I think part of what the pandemic did, though, too, is it uh, showed us what a, what it would be like when that isn't as readily available mm-hmm. and where now we have to get back into that again and, and yeah. re-nourishing um, our connections and actually yeah. not through Zoom, but actually in person yeah. is so important. Yeah. And um, that's part of my objective and goal is, uh, you know, I've been um, <laughs> texting, you know, friend, non-medical friends and saying, you know, what are you doing this week? Can we get together? And uh, mm-hmm. that, which I couldn't do before. Uh-huh. And so part of, I see part of my goal being, um, well, one, one's retired, two aren't uh, completely. Uh, like the four close male friends I have um, uh-huh. is to, is to engage with them mm-hmm. regularly, mm-hmm. regularly, which, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be, i looking forward to being able to do that. Mm-hmm. The one thing I wanted to say too, as well, is that I mean, so some some of our colleagues they they sort of go down to very part time or very little kind of stuff, and I truly found that um, you know I was all I had to do was this one thing the last three months uh, that I was teaching at and going to, and having finished that, I I did find this huge release, huge release. Because, and, and I've convinced myself and I've told myself, and I'm sure anybody's going to ask me to do anything more, I'm done. Mm-hmm. No, no more, because there ha- there's a, a, a huge positive thing that I've felt since I finished that and not doing any more. Okay. Because now I can completely think about other things. Because this other thing was always still sitting there. It was just always yeah. yet to be aware and I was still looking things up and yeah. trying to make sure that the slides were fine, reading the abstracts and getting them in on time. Although I had tons of time to do it, it was still doing that. Yes. And it's done. It, it took memory in your RAM, right? It took, it was, it was running in the background, even, oh, it's yeah. like the app that's yeah, running in the that background. It's always phone, running right? in the background and, I, the battery. and yeah. I turned it off Yeah, and it's gone. Yeah, you just close the app and now. I close the yeah. app and. Now you got to uh, open the guitar band app. Yeah. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. For sure. Yeah. And, and I think that there's a lot of lessons learned for even those people who are early in career, which is figure out a way to hang out with your friends that aren't in your profession, aren't in <laughs> academia, they might give you new insights. That's right. right? Like, don't just get together mm-hmm. with them at your, you know, at your wedding because they're in your wedding party obligatorily mm-hmm. um, or, or, or and that occasional vacation that happens like once every blue moon, right? I think finding meaning and surrounding yourself with people outside of what you do from the day-to-day can be invigorating. I, I do think for um, many people, 
remembering their hobbies, right? Mm-hmm. Like many oh, people yeah. get off of this um, track. I see it in the early career folks. They're just so obsessed with their mm-hmm. profession. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that one of the biggest insights I had was just sitting down and realizing all this time that I was spending studying, I could replace it now with hobbies again, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I did dig out the knitting and mm-hmm. I did dig out, dig out um, my songwriting and I did dig out some of those things. And I have enough, probably ADHD, that I, I couldn't stick with any one of them. But I, I, did, I did find that that was important too. So I think that the lessons that you're conveying here probably are lifelong. It's just that we have to take pause sometimes and rejig what we have on the go. And I think that you can wait till retirement or you could start doing some of this stuff before, like you did with horticulture. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. Uh, I once um, I went to a, a session. It was my first year um, in, in an academic uh, uh, family medicine setting and one of the residents presented rounds on, on how to retire well. And his message... And this was a resident. I mean, it was very um, insightful. It was, you better start planning now. And it made an impression on me. And I have to say, in the busyness of most of my academic and clinical life, mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking about retiring. I, but I, I always kind of knew that I needed to think about it. And it wasn't mm-hmm. really till I had the sabbatical and realized I had a work addiction that I actually got right down to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think all of the things that you've said about your things you do outside of medicine, the people you know outside of medicine are going to make it easier when you retire because as we talked about at the beginning, there are people that just can't let go of medicine. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's so easy to become, that work addiction happens not just in medicine, it happens in nursing, it mm-hmm. happens in leadership, it happens in administration, it happens in other professions. Mm-hmm. It definitely happens in academia, mm-hmm. right? That's why we even have the role of professor emeritus probably. Right. Because because our professors no, so we can that. keep our McMaster <laughs> email address. And it's like it has access the to the library, right? Yeah. That's the that's because the of all because of all the reading I'm not doing on yeah. clinical well, stuff. Well, you know what? If you actually go to the library and you put in yeah. uh, ask about stuff that's non medicine, does yeah. actually the stuff comes up? Oh, I know it's it's McMaster Library. It's much yeah. more oh, no, than medicine school, but it's physio, and it's really cool because I do know some people that have taken advantage of going back to classes yes, of yes. the courses that they never took because they were gunning it oh right their entire career and now they take that art history course or now yeah. they do the music appreciation course well, in and, fact you know what that um when i finished my residency my yeah. first two years in practice yeah. i took full year courses in music history mm-hmm. level one and level two um and it, that's on that you just remind me it's yeah. on my list in my notes oh, somewhere to yeah. take courses yeah i did do a coursera course on art history but anyway that's that's not the same amount (laughs) as someone who loves online learning it's still not quite the same no um especially with art right because there's something about going to the um, places yeah um i mean our i mean our own persona is often based on uh people around you like it it is it's on those because being human and so forth and you'd get that you sometimes you get this feeling that uh, in medicine is that all everybody anybody does is just medicine but it's not true, but it's because we hang around with, well, we don't hang around with like friends necessarily, but they're work colleagues. And work colleagues are different than true friends. Um, and sometimes we mix those up as well. 
And it, I think it's so important to have um, relationships outside of, of medicine and that people don't talk and think medicine all the time. And there's other yeah. things in the world that are uh, just as important. Um, but more. it's it just, or more, mm-hmm. or more. And, we lose uh, sight of that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, we lose sight of that. I mean, there are 17,000 or something physicians in Ontario, but there are millions of people who aren't physicians <laughs> who would think of other things and do other yeah. things and have other um, sort of life goals and, yeah. and, and challenges and achievements and accomplishments. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you lose track of that. Yeah, um, having your work uh, colleagues become your surrogate family, your urban family, your, your friend network, and then have them all gone can be yeah. really oh, challenging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't experience that because of our outside network of friends. Well, our friend, our closest friends are not in yeah. healthcare. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, certainly not in medicine or nursing or anything. Yeah. So no. yeah. that made that transition easier. Yeah. And I think that happens to be that some people are gifted with that because they, they live in a place where they grew up and so they, mm-hmm. they maintain those mm-hmm. ties. Some people don't have that luxury because they moved here just only for this. Yeah. And right. so, um, especially a, a lot of our colleagues who have PhDs and stuff, right? It's hard to get a. It's hard to get a faculty gig, yeah. like, um, yeah. like a MUFA, you know, a full-time faculty gig. And so sometimes people are quite isolated. So yeah. finding ways to to develop those networks, investing in them, I think um, it, it'll pay off in the long run. So. Mm-hmm. 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 Excellent. All right, any final thoughts on things? I mean, we didn't talk about the finances. I think I'd probably bring in a financial planner to talk about that. Yeah. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, and so I'll defer that part of it. Yeah. But any other final thoughts on, on things that people should keep in mind? Um, so the other it? thing is to, yeah. to, to stay physically active. Yeah. And so um, one of my on the list, and also Alan's on the list, is that we're, um, physical exercise every day is an important goal. Yeah. Yesterday we did almost a 40K bike ride wow. from Lancaster to Brantford. Uh, we ruined the whole bike ride activity by having fries at Louis Fries in Brantford. <laughs> I, I that feel, was the goal. That was I didn't the goal. feel guilty. I, thought, I, I burnt up a lot it. of yeah. calories. Yeah. And no, and, and we sort of, thank goodness <laughs> Alan remembered that you were coming this morning because we, you would have maybe caught us in the middle of Apple Fitness. Yeah, okay. um, we do Apple Fitness. Fitness yeah, here with mats in the living room and with weights. <laughs> nice. And so, so part of our goal is to maintain our physical health. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a huge investment. So mm-hmm. anybody who reads about anything about you know maintaining physical health when you get older, it's again not a make busy make work project. It's an uh, it's must. an act a must do, yeah. built in five days a week, right? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure, and for those who have the privilege, right? So mm-hmm. some of us will acquire disabilities. Some of us will oh, have other so. things. And, and well, you'll have right. to have different ways to, that's to do right, the to, same thing. To maintain yeah. work, yeah. Around, work keep, with Yeah, I think it's something right? you don't think about much yeah. when you're young. But yeah, health becomes an issue as you get older. And yeah. we have both have, have issues that pop up from time to time. Knees, and back, it, shoulders, you know. All well, that, not okay. just that. All other the joints. But anyway, <laughs> it's, not just, it's not just that. But, but you suddenly have to do things. To yeah. maintain your health, you can't take it for granted, and that's yeah. that's a task. That's yeah. part of yeah. what you you need to do. You need to get your immunizations updated. You need to do the appropriate screening tests. All of those kinds of things, oh, yeah. and 
you know, we, we have joked that it's a good thing that we're retired because of all the doctor's appointments we've had to have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, so, didn't have, I didn't have time to go before, right? There you go. Yeah. In retirement, you, are, you, you, you make sure that the rest of us have an, an income. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we're just right. creating work for our former colleagues. Uh, oh, that's no. funny. Um, yeah, but it, it's the truth, right? Because health is complex and, and staying healthy um, is... For some people, a full-time gig. So mm-hmm. I do think that that's something that we can't take lightly. That's yeah. right, cognitively and physically. Yeah. Right. Well, they're both so closely related. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Says the neurologist and the family doctor. So, yes. Yeah. Or yes. retired neurologist yeah. and retired family. That's doctor. right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for your time, and mm-hmm. it's been a privilege Our to pleasure. have a chat with you. And please don't be a stranger if you've got a guitar show or a horticulture show, (laughs) you know, let us know. Uh, I'm sure there's ways to, you know, uh, pass on the message to your former colleagues if you're going to be on stage at the jazz festival or something. Um, But (laughs) they'll be on call, so they won't be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they can book it off if you give them some warning. So anyway, thank you very much for your time. And it's a privilege. Thanks, Teresa. Pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Mac PFD Spark podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Office for Continuing Professional Development and the Program for Faculty Development at McMaster University's Faculty of Health Sciences. For more information on faculty development, be sure to check out our website at macpfd.ca. That's M-A-C-P-F-D Here you can find other episodes as well as resources for your personal and professional development. A quick shout out to our sound engineer, Ishan Mania Panda, who has been an amazing asset to our team. Another shout out to Scott Holmes, who composed and supplied us with the music you've been listening to. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it, and be sure to tune in for our future episodes.